Welcome to Ready for Change, the podcast dedicated to preparing and equipping you with the tools needed for changes within your industry. I'm your host, Mike Jarmus, and on this podcast, we'll be featuring special guests who are experts in business, retail, and finance. They will share their stories, wisdoms, and insights on changes occurring within their own industries. We'll cover other topics like market trends, technology, news, and innovation in various industries. Thanks for tuning in this week. Now let's get started. The retail industry has evolved significantly within the last decade. We've witnessed the emergence of the e-commerce and the evolution of the in-store experience. Events such as those have influenced changes in our shopping behavior and caused a great deal of debate on what the future of retail will look like. On today's episode, Brian Walker, the CEO and founder of the Retail Doctor Group, will be joining us to discuss the essence of omnichannel retail, the latest trends in retail, and what lies ahead in the future of retail. And just to provide some background for our listeners on today's guest, Brian has acquired considerable experience in specialty retail, franchising, and the shopping center sectors. His company, The Retail Doctor Group, is the leading retail consulting group in Australia and has helped well-recognized organizations develop and implement many notable retail strategy projects, both in Australia and abroad. On top of being a CEO, Brian also writes a weekly column for Inside Retail Australia. Thanks for joining us today, Brian. That's a pleasure, Mike. I look forward to the discussion. Brian, I don't believe my introduction did you justice, but could you please start off by briefly telling us about yourself and what was your path to get into the industry? I reside in Sydney. I have a business called Retail Doctor Group, which is uh, we do national and international work in the building and development of retail channels. And we've been in business now for 15 years. We're partners within the Ebeltoft Group of International Retail Consultants and Experts. And our business is predicated on three pieces in which we build efficient retail, uh, insights, strategy, and implementation. Uh, For those who know Sydney, I live on the north side of Sydney, three children, very busy with with their lives as well as as mine and the growing of Retail Doctor Group. We're a team of eight, including uh, neuroscientific approach, strategy building and brand distribution, but we're very focused on implementation and working with our partners to successful outcomes. Fantastic. We're very excited to have you on the podcast today. So Brian, within the last decade, the retail landscape transformed from being filled with solely brick and mortar retailers to becoming a playground for omni-channel retailers. However, there are many retailers who don't necessarily fit the description who deem themselves as an omni-channel retailer. Can you explain what an omni-channel retailer looks like today? Of course. And Mike, some retailers might describe the last period of time as being uh, more of a battlefield than a playground because retailers have had to adapt very quickly to this concept of omni-channel. And the great accelerant is technology. And the best way to think of an omni-channel retailer is really to think of an ecosystem, if you like, life in a pond. And that is this idea of and this reality of typically a physical retail network, an online offer, particularly those two supported with strong social media and all the other channels of brand differentiation and communication all talking together at the one time such that as the retailer, I have real lifetime access to data, 
across all my channels, such as inventory position. I have customer relationship management software, building my CRM profiles of customers as they grow. I've got all my metrics of my business, sales, margin, so forth, across my channels. And everything is happening in real time. And such that as a retailer, I know at any given time, my sales across my channels, my movement of inventory across my channels, and the penetration of my customer database growth, which is a very important part of retail today. And so what we have in an omni-channel retailer is a retailer that is, if you like, synchronized to trade 24-7, every hour of every day, locally and internationally. And what that's meant for many retailers in this last decade has been significant, and certainly in the last few years, significant investment in business information systems, online, digital, and so forth, to really produce the foundation of that offer. Great. So I recently read your latest blog from Inside Retail and found your perspective interesting on why in-store experiences are fundamental for omnichannel retailers. Because of this, do you believe more digital retailers will open brick-and-mortar stores this year? And if so, why? Uh, yes, I would say it's inevitable. Because, you see, what we're seeing is, is really the fact that online retail if I look at it as a percentage of overall retail sales, and our market and the United States market are very comparable, scale's different, but we are currently averaging about 10% of overall sales in online sales. Now, in some categories, that's much higher. In others, it's lower. And as a general rule of thumb, the higher the touch, experience, interrelationship, the, the less online sales are made. And it's no coincidence that we see the Alibabas, Amazons of this world, and many other examples that started life in pure play or pure online retail, buying into investing into physical retail. Because you see, what we're seeing is this divide in our minds between called shopping and buying. And shopping is the technology-fueled convenience sector. It's the Amazonian gated community that's predicated on um, speed, access, typically lower volume items, algorithms, predictive machine learning, and all that is the domain of online. Fulfillment, convenience, price, speed, oh, and range. Shopping is for all of us the human experience. And we are social by instinct. So the need to be around other human beings in the vast majority of our populations is an absolute driver to this whole concept of shopping. And retailers that can contain experiential, inspirational, interesting, uh, informative retail and do it in a way that engages the human spirit, the human condition, are still always going to be at the heartland of what we call retailing. And online retailers are seeing this. And what's interesting too, when we look at many pure play, smaller online retailers, they tend to have reasonably high visitation, conversion, that is shoppers to buyers, you know, at about a quarter of what physical store conversion on average would do. And it's hard for these businesses to be profitable. 
So it's also the online play is also about scale and acquisition. But fundamentally, the human spirit of what it is to be human. Now, some would say one of the challenges and the reason why we're seeing closures of physical stores is that good retail is fine and will grow. Boring retail is dying. So, Brian, I'm going to ask you to venture prediction on who will be the next digital retailer that will open a brick-and-mortar store in the next year or, or uh, after that. Well, you know, if you look at, if you look at the, the leading online sort of retailers globally and even domestically in our country and you're looking, you're looking at the, the likes of Iconic in our country and um, the Caspers of this world, the Warby Parkers will continue, you'll see increasingly online retailers opening physical space. Now, that doesn't mean that they'll lock themselves into the longer-term leases. Um, it'll be much, probably much more around pop-up stores. It doesn't necessarily have to be in physical centres. They'll come into high streets. You'll see a lot more start-up online and start to think about their physical presence more quickly. This also has implications for the broader range of society, shopping centres in particular how they will move into this more agile, modular space and that will change their model too quite dramatically. So the model is changing. We'll see these online retailers, some of which I've mentioned, open physical retail because they understand that the physical touch point of an omni-channel retailer is vital. And we know evidentially that when retailers have physical and online stores or online offer married together, integrated in the way I've described, on average, their sales is anywhere between 10 to 20% higher. So considering we've just crossed over into a new year and a new decade, which also means new opportunities for retailers, Brian, could you share some actionable tips that retailers can use to stand out this year? It's certainly going to be about speed to market. And it's going to be about retailers thinking about their offer in a more agile way. So one of the tips is to think about the processes of the business, right down to the fulfillment times, times it takes to open stores, product range, really thinking about doing it faster than ever before because we are more time compressed than ever before. We're more urbanized than ever before that the classic structures of society are starting to change around available time to shop and so forth, and who does the shopping. The other thing I would say is very much around having good customer insights, good, really good understanding of the psychology of shoppers, start to invest a little more in research and insights, really understand. And I think third is the timeless tip, which is always about there is an incredible amount of stock and inventory in the marketplaces. As increase, as in many time, many cases, retailers have tried a little bit to be too, too broad in their offering. So being really coming back to what that particular retailer is great at, what their unique point of difference is, investing in, in capability around customer relationship management, loyalty programs, try to go deeper rather than wider. And building loyalty through really clever, unique offers, 
supported by a great in-store and online fulfillment. So I make it sound pretty easy, but they would be three areas that I would focus on. Being that you've just laid out these great tips, how do you feel these things will push the retail industry forward? It's interesting. I think we are increasingly moving into the area of specialization. So by that, I mean, if we look at the department store category, for example, over the years, it's been a broad range of house of brands. And it's got its own challenges for a lot of the reasons I've touched on already, Mike. Uh, but certainly in this specialist space, if we, if we accept that the growth of the, the buying and convenience and technology-fueled fulfillment offer will take care of the broader range of products, the opportunity then is around specialization. And I think we'll see the retail industry increasingly focus on going deeper, more specialized, much more focus on what the uniqueness of an offer is. And that will certainly apply from mid-market and up. And I also think that the, the other piece that will push the industry forward will be retailers investing in technology at a greater level and marrying the human experience of what it is to be a retailer with technology. So we'll see more assistance to shopping. And so by that, I mean, retail, of course, growing up was all about seeing advertisements and going to the shops and comparing. Now we see retail in three distinct phases. The first phase for the consumer is no longer that traditional path to purchase that I've touched on. It is this idea that I can be in touch with your brand in a kaleidoscope of ways. And this kaleidoscopic activity means I, as the retailer, need really good branded touch points, effectively dark cues. And when that shopper comes into my retail physical presence, it needs to be all those aspects of inspiration, interest, excitement. And even where we've worked with clients on converting physical space into using the retailer skills to teach customers about that product, and really engage with them. And then the third element is to invite them into the tribe, into the community, into the loyalist work program, if you like. Because we know that data is the currency, and we know that all the top five retail world businesses in the world are predicated cap value on their, on their data. We are seeking out Loyalty. Now, we won't necessarily get loyalty by price and range the way we once did, but we will get loyalty by uniqueness, traction, and being fundamentally great in the science of retail. So those three phases I've touched on are for the retailer to really think about the journey of the customer, who is their target audience, who are they prepared not to do business with, and of the people they want to do business with, how will they capture them into those three phases? So I would be looking very much at those trends to push the industry forward. So we might have covered some of the best practices already in discussion today, but your company, Retail Doctor Group, has helped many retailers repair, refine, and grow their business. If you had to choose, what are the top three best practices you'd recommend for any retailer listening today? 
Uh, one would be around the strategy. I would certainly take the observer view on the business, step back, look closely at where your money is made, where your strengths are, what, you, what you're great at, come away from the, from the content in which you're not. The next piece is naturally enough to have developed a good omni-channel online offer. And by the way, on omni-channel, in the next phase of time, that word will start to disappear from the, from the language. And in our view, it will, it will almost come full circle to being a retailer, but that has these various channels to market, these branded channels to market, such that it's symptomatic of that retailer to ensure that they have 24-7 communication and ability to sell product in the way that we've described earlier. So I'd make sure I had good capability there. And the third practice is really very much around ensuring that I've got a very clear offer to a very clear targeted audience and that I supported that very much in the manner in which I've touched on today. So recently I came across a PwC report that stated 73% of people said that the consumer experience is their deciding factor in their purchasing decision. How do you think retailers should react to this information? Many retailers would look at that and possibly even think that it should be higher, but it, it certainly makes the point, doesn't it, that the human interaction in retail, the ability for customers to engage with firstly a human interaction, a human experience, to have their expectations met, to be listened to, to be understood, and to be surprised where it's possible, but at the very least satisfied with the experience, is always going to be a deciding factor. And through our own insights work and our own company, when we look at consumer loyalty, we see how closely and how much it correlates to the PwC study that in fact the human factor is the key and critical deciding decision-making factor within the purchasing decision. And interestingly, when we look at online satisfaction, the ability for an online shopper to still contact a human person somewhere in that environment or to have their, uh, might be complaints or whatever it might be, dealt with in a human empathetic way is one of the key factors around trust, security, warranty, and the feeling of customer satisfaction. So if as a retailer reacting to this information, it's very much dial up the human experience. Okay, so before we wrap up this episode, I want to shift the direction of our conversation to focus on the future retail for the next few questions. Brian, what do you feel the future retail will look like? And please feel free to elaborate on how it will look and feel for both the customer and the retailer from their perspective. I love that quote about prediction of the future is easy. It's getting it right that's difficult. <laughs> yes. But I think a couple of things. If we take a couple of points now and explore them, currently we on average spend nearly four hours a day on our devices and our smart devices 
such that the idea of them being phones is no longer. So they are portable passports. Now, increasingly, as we move into the world of millennial millennials, as we move with different sort of societal influences, these millennial natives with the largest spending power this year coming in the world, as the baby, as the Gen Xs and the baby boomers start to sort of mature, you know, these are these are not only technology natives, but they're also environmentally far more attuned and natives of social responsibility, the ethos of cause, and we're seeing many examples of that already. So that will start to determine some really interesting patterns. So the future of retail as a consequence. The world of artificial intelligence, machine learning, that will only accelerate. Virtual reality, chatbots, and so forth will, will only increase. And that enables retailers to predict our movements. We already know that over 55% of grocery purchases, for example, are habitual and repetitious. Uh, if you ask your friends in the last six months how many times they've changed their, their branded toothpaste, for example, and that will make the point that there is so much repetition and habitual behavior. So expect to see a, a dramatic increase into what we're calling convenience, fulfillment. You know, and this example, I think, Mike, where you might be watching a, a show, you'll point your smart your device at the show, and the jacket of the actor that you like will be delivered in your size that evening. That's already starting to happen. So you're seeing this fusion fusion of this idea of retailing being a uh, discrete activity, that is, we go shopping, to being an ambient activity, that is, that it comes to us. And it will come to us and is already coming to us uh, in the early days in the way that we already know when we listen to or we use Alexa or Google or any of the AI products that are available. That work is accelerating. So that will change. The way that we work is starting to change, so that will influence the future of retail. Time, workforces, uh, driverless cars, all these seeds of which are already sown will, in our view, dismantle much of what we've grown up with, change the paradigm for retail of this idea of product being pushed down the pipe, to understanding every single aspect of a consumer and having so much data, and already there's a plethora of data available, enabled to us with all the tracking of people, process, place, and so forth, GPS, RFI, beacon technology. These are only just the start of it. And then finally, this huge interactivity. So the ability for not only retailers to know everything about their customers, but using all the touch points that we that we know now from signage outside to beacons in, in shopping centres to start to predict. Oh, and one last thing about the future of everything. As the internet of everything comes in and businesses, for example, like Google with their WePlenish that could 
place inventory reorder levels into your coffee, tea, and sugar, place that order for you, your car that will book itself into a service, washing machines that will book in their uh, their own replenishment of their washing powder, that will be common. So, Brian, for my final question for you today, Retail Doctor Group has established its authority in the retail industry by developing strategies, providing insights, and implementing retail deployment. Being that you all have helped retailers become more efficient, what's the single most important advice you'd like to provide to retailers that are listening? Simply to embrace the change. It would be to never lose focus of what we're doing in retail. And that's all about the right product at the right price and so forth, uh, and consumer satisfaction. But to embrace the change whilst ensuring that we never lose focus on what we do. Great. Thank you for joining us today, Brian. We really do appreciate your time and your insights. I know our audience will value the information provided. And thank you again. Thanks, Mike, and to you listeners. uh, It's been a pleasure. As you all heard, the retail landscape is already drastically changing. Consumers are educating themselves on products before a purchase and demanding more authentic in-store experiences. More importantly, this change is helping both digital and traditional retailers focus on the most important thing, the customer. The disruption within the retail industry is causing retailers like Amazon to mom-and-pop shops to abandon the old retail methodology and embrace creating multi-channeled experiences. At the same time, Brian points out an important shift happening in consumers' buying and shopping habits. It's more apparent that customers are looking to buy out of convenience and shop at their own leisure. As a result of this shift, I believe it's imperative that you as a retailer take a moment to ask yourself, am I adapting to the wants and needs of my customers? With this in mind, don't be afraid to embrace the use of technology in your in-store experiences, and create consistent multi-channeled experiences this year. And last but not least, stay open to change. Thank you for listening to Ready for Change. If you like what you heard, please leave us a positive review and share this episode with a colleague or friend. And be sure to subscribe to Ready for Change on www.glory-global.com forward slash ready for change or you can find us on Apple Podcasts and other major podcast channels in order for you to never miss an upcoming episode. If you have any additional questions or suggestions, be sure to email us at readyforchange at glory-global.com. Until next time, prepare for change.